This is the legacy edition of Time Out with Akan Kana. Welcome brothers and sisters, this is Time Out with Pastor Akan. My name is Akan Kana and I'm glad to be able to welcome you to the first podcast from the staple of Nikah Life Ministries and this is the first of many that is yet to come and um, it is my prayer that you will always be one of our ardent listeners and as much as possible um, encourage friends and family to sit around the laptop or sit around the computer as we download weekly study of God's Word. It is my prayer that as much as we possibly can that the things that we will discuss in this podcast will be things that will help us to make us become more like Christ. It is my prayer also that these things will help us to see the world, the Bible, and our faith the way God wants us to see it. Without going too far, I'd like to introduce my first topic, and that is what I would term incarnation, the Christmas experience. And I say this because I know that about a week or two ago, a lot of us just had our Christmas break. And for a lot of us, it was a time to sit down with family and friends to discuss. We had a lot of fun and um, sharing gifts for some people. It was a time they had to be in church for a church meeting, a camp meeting, a revival meeting, or whatever it is or whatever it was for you. Christmas season is a season everybody usually looks forward to in our yearly calendar. What is Christmas all about? Quite frankly, Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. I like to say that Christmas is a time to remember an event that actually occurred in history. The birth of Jesus is not a myth or a figment of our imagination. It actually happened 2,000 years ago. The thing is that the world, or most people as it were, do not really have a problem with a baby born in a manger. It's a baby. I mean, it has to be a baby. and. If the baby was any special, it may be that the baby grew up to be a perfect master, a good prophet. Some people will even term Jesus as a guru. But dust is however raised when the claim that that child that was born in the manger was fully God and fully man. Scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, I read from the King James Version, 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Now, that spells out clearly the peculiarity of our Christian faith. It said, beyond controversy. And our translation, the NIV will say, is beyond question. It said, great is the mystery of our life of worship. Great is the mystery of godliness. The very first thing he said, God manifests in the flesh. I'd like to spend time to share with us today to point to the reality that the child that was born on Christmas Day, 
was not an ordinary child, was not just man, but that child was fully God and fully man. I want us to look at that mystery. We cannot solve it. It beats our imagination. It has never been and it will never be. But for once in life and in history, God showed up in human flesh. And why do I say so? The Bible says in Luke 1 verse 35, When the angel of the Lord first brought the message over to Mary, that you are going to give birth to a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. And Mary apparently has to be perplexed. She was a virgin. She never had sex with anyone. Mary asks, how can this be, seeing that I have known no man, nor was I have not slept with any man? The angel answered, verse 35 of Luke and chapter 1. I like to read from the King James Version and also from the NIV Version. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And the angel answered and said, I am ready for me NIV now, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Understand or note that the angel described the fetus as the holy thing in the King James Version, while the NIV describes it as the Holy One. Clearly, that tells you that Jesus at birth was God. I have heard messages of some people in church tend to claim that Jesus was an ordinary person at birth and baptism he became God. In other words, when the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus and the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, that was the moment Jesus became God. That is not true because the Bible clearly tells us that even at birth he was not an ordinary man, rather, but he was fully man. And yet, fully God, the baby born in the manger, is fully God and fully man. Islam fights it. Buddhism ignores it. Hinduism, they disdain it. Every religion of the world fights the reality of the divinity or the divine nature of Jesus. We need to understand that the baby in the manger was fully God. And fully man. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I mean, this really nails it. Isaiah 9, 6. For the first time in prophecy, Isaiah begins to speak of what will happen in years, in years to come. I read from the King James Version. For unto us a child is born. Isaiah chapter 9, from verse 6 to 7. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, listen to this. We're talking about his child and the son, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Such clear scripture, such profound scripture. Did you notice that the name of the child to be born was called Everlasting Father? Did you notice that that child was called the Mighty God? That child was called the Prince of Peace? The child that was born in the manger, of which a lot of us celebrate the Christmas, was fully God and yet fully man. 
And never has that happened in history. Never has an event of such magnitude happened. Now, why did the angels rejoice? It, it, it had never, there was a purpose why Jesus was born, but the very birth of Jesus himself was a miracle that has never happened in history. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And I'd like to say that at Christmas, a miracle happened. And that miracle is what we call the Incarnation. That is the topic of today, the Incarnation. What is the Incarnation? Simple. The Incarnation is that the Divine takes up human flesh, becomes human, and lives among us as human. Now, that has never happened. God has always, through time and history, revealed himself to his people what you call theophany theophany is a christian scholarship term that tries to describe an experience of the presence of god or the glory of god like what people like ezekiel had people like daniel had people like abraham or even moses those are theophanies but this was not the manifestation of god's presence and glory it wasn't dreams it wasn't uh, signs it was the person of god seen life in flesh and blood let me read from Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners speak in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I like to say Jesus was the exact resemblance of God. Himself was God in manifest flesh. After the break, we're going to look at why is it important that God had to put up human flesh? Why is the incarnation very vital? Why would I have to stake my claim that the child that was born in the manger had to be fully God and fully man? Now, understanding this is the basis of our Christian faith, is the basis of our understanding the love of God, what God did through Christ on Christmas Day and thereafter, and the basis of appreciating what He has done in us who profess his name stay tuned and i'll see you after the break god bless you praise the lord welcome back to time out with pastor akan and just before the break we were discussing the uniqueness of the christmas event we saw from scriptures that the child that was born was fully man and fully God. We looked at scriptures and see how that even from the salutation of the angel set the pace for us to realize that Jesus was fully God and fully man. A lot of religions, Islam says hey, he is a good prophet, but no, 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 no. Jesus is not a good prophet. Jesus is God. It is a claim of Christianity that Jesus did not become God, but he 
is God. And not only was it just God, he was God before the birth. He was God after the birth. He was God even when he died on the cross. Hallelujah. Why the incarnation? To answer that question, we have to go back way in time to what happened in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3 from verse 14 and 15, God made pronouncements. And the reason why God made these pronouncements was because man sinned. God gave man everything in the Garden of Eden except to eat from a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. However, we know that Satan, through the serpent, deceived Eve, Eve and Adam as to, and they lost their innocence. Sin came into their lives, and God had to make proclamations. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, from verse 14 and 15, I read from the King James Version. This is God talking. And God gave, God began to mix pronouncements or judgments as it were. Now, in verse 14, God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done thee, thou hast cast above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his knee heel. So for the first time we see God making pronouncements concerning the redemption of man's sin in the Garden of Eden. And later we understand that the seed of a woman was to be Jesus, the Son of God. Now we know that every sin must be punished. The character of God's justice demands that every sin must be punished. And the only way the sin can be atoned for is through the shedding of the blood. And that's what the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement for sin. To atone means, means that it's well to pacify, to pay for. In other words, a man in a legal system, if he's found guilty of an offense, he pays for it, whether by jail sentences or by fines or whatever it is. What so is it with God? Whatever sin, and every man sins. Every man is a sinner. And so no sin goes unpunished. We have to pay for it. And little wonder sacrifices of bulls and goats were one way to atone for sin. But it was imperfect. If you read the book of Hebrews, it, it, it spends a lot of time showing us that the bulls and goats were imperfect because every now and then, even those who are sacrificing the priests, even the priests are sacrificing, has to do it again because it is not enough to take away sin. And so God knew that the only sacrifice that can assuage his justice that is able to redeem man from the power of sin is a sacrifice himself has to make. Now, and that's what the Bible says in Romans in chapter 8 verse 3. I'd like to read that in the King James Version. It said, For what the Lord could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now the purpose of the incarnation, the purpose of the Christmas event, the purpose of Jesus coming and taking up human form on earth is so that he can deal with the power of sin. Bible says condemn sin in the flesh. 
And the only way he could do that was to be the penalty for our sins. Jesus had to die. His blood would have to be used to assuage the anger and the justice of God so that man may be free from sin and alive unto God in true righteousness and holiness. And read from Isaiah chapter 53. Very popular, very profound, but it shows us clearly that it was the Father's will that Jesus will receive the punishment for our sins. Remember we said earlier on that God set that plan in motion in Genesis chapter 3 by saying that the seed of a woman will bruise the head of the serpent when they will bruise his heel. And it shows us clearly through other scriptures that even the temporary sacrifice were not sufficient to take away the sin of man. And so in Isaiah chapter 53, it clearly tells us that God was the one orchestrating even the event, what we call the Easter event, or the death of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53. It said, Surely he had borne our griefs. I read from the King James Version. And carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Or we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And another version, I like verse 5, in, especially in the NIV, Bible says, um, when the Bible says that just of our peace was upon him, another just says the punishment that made us whole was upon him. Wow. So the reason for the incarnation is that Jesus had to become like you, had to become like me, in order that the sacrifice he will make on Calvary's cross 33 years after his earthly birth may be acceptable to God as a perfect sacrifice for the remission of the sin of man. It is important to know that the incarnation bears a huge significance to everything humanity would need. The greatest problem of humanity is sin. And Jesus was the penalty for sin. Praise the Lord. He must have heard this before. But it's not so much as if I have heard it, but do I believe God's word is living and active. And you cannot, it will be of no benefit to you. The Christmas event will be of no benefit to you if you do not believe and repent. The demand of God concerning the gospel or the good news is that Jesus died for your sin. But it should not do you any good if you don't mix it with faith. Faith is not just a mental assenting to the fact that yes, I know he died, but is a heartfelt commitment to that truth that sees a change in your disposition to life. All of a sudden, you will shift from a heart that looks for sin or lives in sin and shift the heart from sin toward the living God. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to have times when you still struggle with sin in the flesh. It's because we're still in this body. And until the day when Jesus will come again and we get rid of this body, we're going to have struggles with sin. But you need the sacrifice Jesus made on Calvary's cross to atone for your sin. You have to believe that he died for my sin. And that his dying was not an ordinary death. He had to be God 
for that death, for that sacrifice to be sufficient to cleanse my sin. The sufficiency of the sacrifice on Calvary's cross was premised on the incarnation, on the fact that the person that died, the person that was sacrificed was fully God and was fully man. Nothing can transcend that truth. That is the truth of God's word. It is my prayer that in the days and the weeks and in the months to come, that the reality of what Jesus or what God did through Christ Jesus by sending his only begotten son through reflecting your response in your worship, in your attitude, in your repentance. Praise the Lord. I will see you next week in another edition of Time Out with Pastor Akan. You are blessed. Join us next week for another insightful episode of Time Out with Pastor Akan. It is our sincere hope that you have been blessed by this week's message. For more Christian articles, log on to www.nikaolife.org. God bless you.